when I sat down to write the first book in um, in the Four Irish Brothers Winery series, I thought, I think I'll play and see if I can do it with making it sensual and sexy and the attraction is there and man you know they're going to do this but not actually write the sex and man it was great I loved it it was it, it really was freeing for lack of a better term because it is hard for me to write it it's there's just so many ways you can do things you know what I mean <laughs> Hi, I'm Al Graco, and you may have noticed we spruced up the place. Steam Scenes has had a rebrand, and I am trying out some new intros, so welcome to Steam Scenes 2.0. In a bit of a personal update, I just finished the first draft of the first book for a new series. More about that in good time. I'm working on the rewrites now, though, and I'm wondering, do I have enough steam? My last release, which was Free Falling, the fifth book in my L.A. Rockstar series, it was getting like three, three and a half chili peppers from the brilliant, awesome, wonderful bookstagrammers who were uh, reviewing the book for me. And um, I loved it. I love three, three and a half. I love their reviews. But I was like, oh, man, I want four, four and a half. I don't need five. I'm OK with not being five, but I'd like a four, a four and a half. So. I wanted like an extra chili in there. So I'm kind of thinking, okay, how do I get that extra chili pepper? What do I need to do? Um, Please tell me in the comments on steamscenespod.com to the episode. Shoot me an email, l at lgreco.rocks. Like, let me know. What do I need? What do I need to write to get four? What makes your steamy read four or five chili peppers? Even though, like I said, don't necessarily need five. Just want the four. What makes it, what's the, what's the difference between like a three, three and a half to like a four or a five? I would love to hear from you about that. Anyway, on to today's guest. What a treat it was to talk to Nan Reinhardt about transitioning from copy editing and proofreading computer manuals to writing romance. Because like, computer manuals? Not so sexy. Actually, now it gives me an idea. I wonder if I can do like a sexy computer manual reading. Hmm. Anyway, I love talking about the differences between steamy moments versus sensual moments. It, it makes me think about what are we looking for when we read romance? What makes it a four chili pepper, a three chili pepper, a five chili pepper read, right? Is it the erotic or is it the sensual? I suppose it depends on what you're in the mood for that day. Um, but anyway, Nan definitely leans towards the sensual side, which you will hear when I read a snippet from her book, The Valentine Wager. Talking to Nan was a delight, and I hope that you enjoy the interview as much as I did. Nan Reinhardt is a USA Today bestselling author of sweet and sexy romance novels featuring women in their prime. She is also a wife, a mom, a mother-in-law, and grandmother to an active little boy and two rambunctious dogs. She's been an antique stealer, a bank teller, a stay-at-home mom, a secretary, and for the last 25 years, she's earned her living as a freelance copy editor and proofreader. But writing is her first and most enduring passion. Nan can't remember a time in her life when she wasn't writing. She wrote her first romance novel at the age of 10. It involved a love story between the most sophisticated person she knew at the time, her older sister, who was in high school, and a member of Herman's Hermits. If you know who they are, you're Nan's audience. 
She's still writing romance, but this time from the viewpoint of a wiser, slightly rumpled older woman instead of a starry-eyed preteen. She's completed 12 novels. Rule number one was her first published novel, and it is still available in print and digital at all ebook retailers. The Women of Willow Bay series includes Once More from the Top, Sex in the Widow Miles, The Summer of Second Chances, and Saving Sarah, which are also available in ebook and print all, at all book retailers. Her Four Irish Brothers Winery series from Tool Publishing includes A Small Town Christmas, Meant to Be, Christmas with You, and The Baby Contract, which are all currently available in ebook and print from all ebook retailers. She has just completed a new three book series, The Langes of River's Edge, also for Tool Publishing. The first book, The Valentine Wager, releases on February 1st of 2022. Welcome to Steam Scenes, Nan. I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for having me, Elle. I'm excited to be here and to talk to you today. Cool. Okay, so you've already answered my first question with, like, when you knew you wanted to be a writer, and I guess it was the Herman's Hermit story. <laughs> well, actually, I've, I had been writing even before that. Um, I started keeping a journal when I could hold a pencil, practically, um, because I have these people in my head, and they've been in my head for a very long time, and if I don't let them out, then I'm crazy. So I've been writing a really long time, and uh, however, I wasn't published until 2012. So, you know, a lot of life happened between Herman's Hermits and um, Rule Number One. Yeah, I, I'd say so. And you've had sort of a pretty eclectic career in terms of what you've done. Pretty much, yeah. I'm. I always tell people it's because I have no marketable skill. <laughs> um, I've always, I mean, you know, I was a bank teller and. Um, I was an antiques dealer for a little while, which was a lot of fun, but hard to do when you had a baby. Yeah. And so that's when we sort of let the antique shop go. Um, and then I was a stay-at-home mom, which was the best job ever. Oh, mm. man, I loved that. I had so much fun with my son. And um, and then I just I started working uh, for the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, actually, as a secretary. And um, when I got laid off from there... I had, I had learned how to do proofreading and I was practicing being an editor. And so I just started applying for freelance work and passed tests and got work. And wow. So, wow. So what are you, in terms of your copy editing and your proofreading, are you doing novels? Are you doing more like white papers for business? Like what is there, or are you doing whatever lands on your desk? Well, for a long time, it was whatever landed on my desk. Um, but since I've been doing it now, since 1996, and I've got a lot under my belt, um, I started with the For Dummies books. You know what those are? The, mm -hmm. the black and yellow. Yeah. I started with those. And um, I probably did, I don't know, four or 500 of those. Oh, my God. And then. Um, you, you must have a, va like a, a vast range of knowledge. <laughs> you know what's funny when people when I tell people that I I did those books and plus I also did a lot of uh, computer application books and textbooks mm. and things Ooh. like that. It's that if I held everything in my head that I read, my head would explode. Right. So I have little bits and pieces of stuff, and I'll hear a word and go, "Oh, I heard that once." So no, I don't have a lot of knowledge in my head, sadly. <laughs> um, but then I started. Um, I thought that maybe I'd like to try fiction, and so I I went to Avon Books and applied to be a freelancer, and 
they gave me a test and I passed it and I started doing Regency romance, Tessa Dare and Eloisa James and people Whoa. like that. And um, I also work with Kensington and uh, let's see who else, uh, St. Martin's Press and Thule, the company that I write for. I oh, it's Thule. I, Thule, oh, yeah. Thule, I called it Thule. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, it looks like Thule, <laughs> but it's Thule. And um, so I do mostly romantic fiction now, uh, except SMP, uh, St. Martin's Press. I do a, var a variety of things for them, but this romantic is, fiction. Okay, this is really cool. So with this as your sort of back background now in terms of the proofreading, how do you feel that that's helped you in terms of your own writing? Oh, I think it's been amazing for my own writing. Um, mostly um, because I've I've just read so many different authors because of right. how, because of my work, and so you know you always you're always filling the well, um, not to you know not to write just like someone else, but to know different styles of writing and to and to you know appreciate that. And as a writer and an editor, it, I think being a writer, it's worked both ways. It's made me a better editor because I have much more respect for author voice than I think a lot of editors do. I'm really not hardcore. If if you can show me that it's your voice to not use, you know, to, to not use contractions, for instance, I don't know why that would happen, but whatever, uh, you know, <laughs> some, I'm trying to think of some inane grammar rule and I can't think of one right now, but you know, if you can show me that your voice doesn't actually apply to the grammar rule, then fine, we'll, we'll keep it. Right. And so you know, I feel like respect for, for author voice is the most important thing I bring to the table as an editor. And I love that my editors feel the same way about my writing. So it's kind of mutual. That's really cool. Okay. So were you writing romance before you got the proofreading gigs and the, the editorial gigs or, or did you edit them and then say, okay, now I think I, I in the process of doing this work, you're like, okay, now I think I'm ready to write my own. I actually had started writing my own before I began editing them. I was still editing nonfiction and uh, general reference and that sort of thing when I first started writing. When I Well, when I first started trying to get published, I don't, okay. I've been writing forever. But when I first started trying to get published, I, I was still working on nonfiction. And okay. eventually I just realized, gosh, I could be having so much more fun with this job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, computer application books. Mm, important, oh. but not all that interesting. Yeah, it sounds that sounds kind of painful, actually. <laughs> it is a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you always know that you were going to write romance, or had you tried out other genres? I have never tried out other genres, although I've thought about it because I think cozy mysteries are a lot of fun. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I really do think they are. And I have a friend who writes them and he writes them so well. And I just, I really envy him that ability. Um, I don't know that I'm creative. I don't know if I can, I don't know that I could make a mystery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. In one of my, in one of my Women of Willow Bay books, we have a little bit of romantic suspense, a little bit of a mystery. And I, you wouldn't believe how hard that was to write. I, I wrote the whole thing and then I had, I had like, you know, 600,000 words because I kept trying to put new stuff in to make it more interesting. And I didn't realize that the key to Cozy Mystery is there's one little thing, one little thing. And that makes the whole story. And you build up to that. I didn't understand that. So, but as far as romance is concerned, I, I need that happily ever after. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's just 
that's just who I've always been my whole life. And so I need that. Um, I've, it's, it's funny. I've had a bunch of authors on, I, I've talked to a bun- bunch of authors recently who straddle like they're writing romance but they're also writing cozy so there seems to be a a sort of I don't know fluid you know ebb and flow between the genres with with cozy writers and romance writers so I think there is um I've I've edited a lot of cozies for Kensington and um for Thule and um I've done a couple for S&P I think um they're fun. They're a, they're a blast to edit. And the big thing for me is, am I going to figure it out before I get to the end of the book on the first pass? And uh, sometimes I don't. And man, that really rocks me. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's so great. <laughs> um, so when you, okay, sorry, I got to backtrack here. I had another question for you in my head and it just kind of disappeared into the ether <laughs> for a minute. Um, what, what, what was, oh, your first romance that you read, do you remember what it was? Um, I would say if you don't count the teen romances that we all read when we mm-hmm. were in, you know, when we were 11 to 14, maybe, the teenage type romances. For me, it was Rosamond Jardin and uh, Mary Stoltz and Betty Cavana, all those authors from the 50s and 60s, because that's what the era that I grew up in. Um, but my very first, where I realized, oh man, this guy is a romantic hero, was when my mother read aloud to all four of us, that there were four kids in my family, um, The Harvester by Jean Stratton Porter. She's an Indiana author, and she's, she was a naturalist, but she was also a romance author. And her hero, David Langston in The Harvester, which if you haven't read it, you must. It's actually free on Kindle because oh. it was written in 1910 or 12 or something. Oh, wow. Like that. Okay. Um, but anyway, it is, he was the most romantic man in the world. And, and I just thought I was maybe, I think I might've been 10 or 11 when mother read that to us. And I just swooned. I mean, literally, I, I thought this is, this is the perfect man. And I, it, it just made such an impression on me to the point that all my heroes are betas. David was a beta hero. He wasn't an alpha. He was a beta. Mm. But he was strong and he was kind and he was yeah. gentle. And I don't know. I just, I fell in love with him and I still am. I reread The Harvester every couple of years just because I miss David. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a huge fan of the beta hero. Um, I, I adore the beta hero. So I am definitely going to give this a look. I mean, apart from him being the beta hero, like what else made him the most romantic man in the world? he just was so, he was so gentle about everything. Mm. He, he, he loved women and he took care of the women in his life. Um, a neighbor who was an older woman, he took care of her. He, he loved his mother. He took care of his mother, the woman that he waited for his whole life. And every year he would, he would throw out to the universe, you know, if this is the year I'm going to find her, then show me a sign. And the first the, the beginning of the book is that he gets the sign and then he sees her in a train station. Oh man. And, I mean, he sees her in a vision and then he sees her in a train station oh. and he woos her so sweetly. It's just, it's just makes you shiver. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I can feel like the big sigh coming, right? Like the, yeah. ah, oh. you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
And so you are basically modeling your heroes after him. A lot of them. Yeah. That's cool. Him and my husband, who is also oh. a beta hero. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so what was it like to write your first romance novel? Oh, man. Um, it was it was a little cathartic and exciting and scary and fun. So much fun because all the stuff that had been in my head was suddenly coming out the end of my fingers, you know, and it was really fun. And man, it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, now rule number one was your first published book, but that doesn't mean it was your first book. Oh no, not by a long shot. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have, I have boxes of manuscripts up in my closet that no one will ever see ever. Um, but rule number one actually came as a result of my having written once more from the top and sent it to an agent. And the agent, she was a lovely woman, but she just could not sell it because of the ages of the characters in, in once more from the top. The, the heroine is 40, the hero is 45, and there's a secret baby, except the secret baby is 15 years old. Mm. And so she has kept this child from him for 15 years. And it's, I think it's a great story personally. Um, <laughs> and it's sold well. So apparently I'm not the only one who thinks that. But um, my agent said to me, try writing something more with younger people and, you know, and hotter. <laughs> so I, I wrote rule number one and it, it got published before the book of my heart got published. Okay. Go figure. We are so talking about the age thing in romance because this is a whole big conversation that I think we're going to spend a lot of time on. But before we get to that, I want to know about rule number one when she said make it hotter. Now, do you write any door open scenes or are you door closed the whole way? I uh, Rule number one, the door is open. And all four of the Women of Olo Bay books, the door is open. Okay. Um, but when Thule invited me to write a series for them, they said to me, you can do anything you want. It can be door open. It can be door closed. The only thing we ask is that it's consistent from book to book. So if you start in the first book with the door open, then the door's going to have to be open in all four books or all three books or however many you have in your series. Mm. And um, I really had used up most of my hotness, I guess, oh. <laughs> in the first five books. And so when I sat down to write the first book in um, in the Four Irish Brothers Winery series, I thought, I think I'll play and see if I can do it with making it sensual and sexy and the attraction is there and man, you know they're going to do this, but not actually write the sex. And man, it was great. I loved it. It was, it, it really was freeing for lack of a better term, because it is hard for me to write it. It's, there's just so many ways you can do things. You know what I mean? Right, right. Okay. So what, what makes it hard, do you think, for you to write the, the I, door open? I think the language. Mm. I can't, I'm not good about using the graphic language that a okay. lot of, and now I, you know, I have no problem with reading it or, you know. I, I edit it all the time. It's not anything that's, but I just, I have a problem using the words. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's not in your personal lexicon, it's, right? It, like it's just it not, isn't. yeah, no, it's not what not you would, you feel comfortable saying. Like I totally no. get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and I'm, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty ordinary. Oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> to come up with this stuff is not, it, I really worked hard. I, that was the hardest part of writing The Women of Bay. It was writing the steamy moments. It was writing the steamy moments, yes. Not the, not the central moments, not the wow moments when you're first, when you first see that or your first kiss. I love writing mm-hmm. those. Those are wonderful. But, but to write the, the, the really graphic sex is hard for me. How long? And I really don't, I actually, I don't really write any graphic sex. So, but <laughs> even the, even the sex scenes that are open door in, in the women of Olo Bay aren't terribly graphic. So like, how would you approach it with knowing that you have your own sort of like discomfort with it? Like, I'm just curious how you were able to kind of get over that hump and actually write it. You know, I just, uh, you just like plow through it. That's a terrible thing to say. (laughs) You know, I just, I just kind of, you know, closed my eyes and said, okay, what is this going to look like? And then I described it and apparently it worked because the scenes, the scenes do work. I I won't deny that at all. They do work. And if somebody said to me, I need you right now to write me a, a really open door sex scene, I could do it. But it, it makes me, you know, wormy. <laughs> I don't know any other way to describe it. And, you know, it's, it's funny because people, um, when I say that I'm, I'm a romance novelist, uh, you know, the first thing you get is that little quirked eyebrow and yeah. the nudge, nudge and the wink, mm. wink, you know, and immediately they bring up famous books that are, you know, hot, hot, hot. And then they always give my husband a look like, wow, you lucky dude. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, I think that's my favorite. I mean, like, (laughs) you know, we're just two people. I know. (laughs) And they never think of the flip side of that, which is if we're spending our days getting our characters into bed, sometimes it's the last thing we want to think about when we're actually going to our own beds. Like, this is a very real thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah, there is that too. So, you know, you just got to... And I'm, I am more romantic than sexy, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I can. Okay. Okay. But I can do it. I can do it if I need to do it. So. And it didn't get easier with each book because you have a few books here that then that are door open. No, it did not get easier. I thought it would, L. I really thought that it would. (laughs) (laughs) But it never did get easier. And when I first, when I wrote that first book that didn't have it in it, it was like this huge sigh of relief, like this giant weight had been lifted off me. Wow. So, well, well, now that you're with a publisher, like, I mean, I know never say never, but like now that you're with a publisher that's like door open, door closed, doesn't matter, do what you want. Do you feel like you'll ever go back to door open or are you kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. I just want to write sweet now. I would be surprised if I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this, if, if my publisher, whom I just had the greatest respect for Jane Porter and my, and my editor, Sinclair Sané, and I mean, these women are brilliant. They're brilliant writers. They're brilliant marketers. They know this business inside out. Right. And if they tell me, you know, you got to stand on your head tomorrow, I'd say, how long? Right. Because they're so smart. They're just right. so incredibly smart. Mm-hmm. And if they said to me, you know, maybe you need to bump it up a little bit. I would probably do it, yeah. um, which sounds like I don't have my own mind about things, but I do because I, I know and trust these people and 
you know, but they, I know they also that they would never say that to me because part of what sells my Thule books is the fact that they are sweet small town romance. Right. And they all happen in the same small town and people, you know, at the end of the uh, Four H Brothers series, people were like, we want more, we want more. And so, you know, and none of the people who said that said, we want more sex. Mm-hmm. They said, we <laughs> want more rib sandwich. <laughs> Nobody said we want more sex. Well, I, I, I'm kind of okay. This is so. This is such a fascinating conversation. Like, I'm so, I'm so, like, kind of awed by this. I think one of the things that I, I, I think is worth noting, is that even when you're writing door open, you said you don't really write graphics. So you have your own way of writing door open too and your own, but so I think that that's something that should not be confused with um, you're writing something you don't want to write necessarily, or, you know, because you are writing kind of what the market demands, but in your own way. I think that's a good way to put it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cause that, that's, that's kind of where like my head went when you were sort of talking about it. Um, because I think that it is this like weird balance that we we have where genre writers and genre is basically kind of at mass market, I guess, for lack of a better word. You know, I think so. we are reaching a lot of readers and we have to write what they want to read. And my understanding is right now um, the pendulum has swung back to sweet. Really? Yeah, that that's been that's been my understanding. That's what I've been hearing is that you know we we've done that sort of Fifty Shades, uber graphic sex. Yeah. Um, and now that pendulum is moving to small town sweet, and that's what people want to read. Well, and I think that for me especially, it would be very false if I tried to do it. I mean, I, I think that if somebody if I wrote a really graphic sex scene that had lots and lots of you know gynecology and language in it. <laughs> I think people would recognize immediately that I was faking it, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, say you can't tell, but I think you can. And I think I would, I don't think I could be true to myself or true to my readers if I tried to pull that off. Right. Or true to the characters. Or Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm actually and, having a little battle like right now with somebody who's, uh, I'm, I'm in an anthology and um, that a friend of mine has put together and it's not romance. And um, I started an urban fantasy and this kind of straddles urban fantasy and, and romance. And I'm not sure what way I want to go with this series, but it's just kind of like a, a novella to, that I'm sort of trying out. And he wants me to get sexier. And I'm like, ah, not feeling it for this character. Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be true to the character or it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was really like, oh, you didn't put that thing in. I was really hoping you'd put that thing in. And I was like, yeah, I tried and it just wasn't working. And he's like, well, could you try again maybe? And I'm like, yeah, I guess like I'll give it another shot, but I just don't know that that's her. You know, I don't know that she's, I don't know that she's going to feel all slinky and sexy and, you know, after what just transpired. And so, yeah, sure. I don't know. You know, it just, it was like, it's not really feeling in within the character you know, yeah, the character. Yeah. And my, you know, my, my sweet romances, these characters are, are hungry for each other. And there's no question about that in the book. So, you know, it's just that we're not going to watch it happen. That's all. Right. Right. Well, I think one of the things that I know that you had wanted to talk about is the idea of writing sexy and versus writing sex. 
I think this yes. is a good a good way to sort of transition into that conversation because they do think that that's what we're talking about. There is a sensuality, like to the scene that you sent me, there was no sex happening, but there was definitely a sensuality there between both the hero and the heroine um, yeah. that, you know, that was really palpable and, and there, but there was no sex happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I really have a good time writing those, you know, those steamy for lack of a better term, because that's not really what I write, but you know, they, you can feel between them that, that this is coming and they're going to, they're going to end up together, obviously, but the attraction is so strong. And that's what I really try to get across when I write those scenes. And it, it, I, you know, not that I'm counting, but I try to include, you know, three or four of those in each book so that the, the attraction, there's no question about what it is in um, the one that I sent you is from the first book in the, in the new series. In the second book in the new series, the woman is ready, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's just have sex. She wants to be a one night stand and he doesn't. And so there's, you know, that's a conflict for them because he really wants her, but he doesn't want her just for one night. And that's all she's offering at that point. And so, you know, the, the question of sex is very definitely in the books. And I try to write it. I try to write the attraction with as much sensuality as I can without, you know, just falling over the edge and into bed. Um, Because that's not what the books are. So how do you write sensuality? Like, what is it for you? I think for me, it's, it's about the characters owning their emotions. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the scene that I sent you, she says to him, what you're doing to me isn't fair. That's not fair. You're making yourself more attractive. (laughs) And, you know, so I think that it's, it's about the characters owning their emotions. It's about, and about, using descriptions for lack of a better I'm not I'm not doing this very well using descriptions that show you what they're feeling inside the heat the the longing the ache the you know what I mean right right it's using those kinds of descriptors to bring to the reader what's happening inside the character's mind and body and as a writer, how do you get how do you get there? I'm, I, I don't know if this this question is going to make any sense, right? Because I know for me, it is so hard for me to sort of put into words like that that zone I go into when I'm writing these moments. It's hard to. Put I'm it begging words. you to put it into words for <laughs> oh, me. <thanks>. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think I think that if I've built to that, mm. that 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 the feelings are there for me. If I've built up to that moment, mm-hmm. like in the scene that I sent you, we built up to that moment. They've been on the back of that horse together. He's been pressed up against her for, you know, a while. Yeah. And they're on a horse bareback. Yeah. Oh my and God. so there's a lot of heat going on because of that. But also, you know, he, they're just right. He's got his arms around her. You know, she's very aware of him. He's very aware of her. And there's also in that particular scene and in that whole book, actually, there is a little, a little, um, like this isn't something they're supposed to be doing because they've made a bet that they're not going to flirt with each other. Hmm. And so that's the <laughs> Valentine wager. And so, 
you know, here they are alone in this barn and, you know, what happens? So I think that for me, it's the buildup. If I, if I've built up to that scene, then I'm in the zone. Okay. Okay. That makes total sense. And yeah. And it doesn't come as a surprise to anybody. No. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you see it building between the characters. Yeah. yeah. You know, something's going to happen. Right. When you start that scene, right. the minute he gets on the back of the horse with her, he's never been on a horse before. He's scared to death. He's in his, <laughs> he's in, you know, dress clothes. Oh, nice. And they pull it, put him up on the back of that horse and he's clinging to her because he's scared and fear turns into, man, she's warm. She's nice. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. And I think this is a great way to, time to sort of segue into the other part that we want to talk about, because I think that, you know, I, I think that there's a misconception of like what sweet romance is, right? Because there are all, there are like, kind of like there, there are all levels of steam. There are all levels of sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where you have just sort of the, the, the one chaste kiss at the end to like, you have multiple scenes of, you know, something's going to happen after you just don't happen to see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and we're right. You're, you're writing adults and this I is am. part of an adult relationship. And that's, that's yeah. an excellent point, Elle. That's an excellent point because I'm not writing two people right out of high school or right out of college. These people have lived, you know, she's 33. He's, maybe she's 30. I can't remember. He's 33. (laughs) She's 33 too, I think. They're, they're, you know, all my characters are older than 30. Okay. And most of them are almost 40. And so these are people who have lived a life. She had an affair with a guy in Ireland before she came to, to Indiana. She's, you know, she's no sweet little virgin. And neither is he. He has a reputation in town for being a real playboy. And so, you know, they're not, if they were not going to end up together before the end of the book, it, it's, it would surprise you. You know what I mean? Right. The fact that sex rears its head in, in these books shouldn't surprise anyone. They're older. Right. Right. And, and like, yeah. And so... There is, I think, now a growing acceptance of having older characters and in romance. And I know I just wrote one um, where my characters are late thirties into like mid forties, and um, it was really well received by a number of older readers um, who I've also found surprisingly seem to make up the majority of romance readers by Absolutely. the way <laughs> are the demographic I yeah don't, by we i mean me not yeah. i'm <laughs> the royal we <laughs> i'm not yeah i'm using the royal we there um my age group of people between you know i'd say 45 to 100 mm-hmm. um are make up the demographic of romance readers. We really are most of the romance readers in the country. We are also the people with the money to buy books and publishers missed that for a long time. Yeah. And they would turn down books like once more from the top because it it was, it was so frustrating to me and my, and my agent both because they would send her back a note and say, wow, great voice, love the writing. The heroine's too old. The hero's too old. The kid is too old. Yeah. And 
I was like, I don't know how to write somebody who's 20. I'm sorry. I haven't been 20 in 45 years. I don't know how to do it. (laughs) And I'm sure that 20 now is way different than 20 was when I was 20. Right. And do we really want to be 20 again? I don't really know. You know, Um, yeah, yeah. So I think that they missed, they just now are beginning to realize, and I'm so fortunate that my, my publisher is just so open to whatever, you know, if you can tell a good story, she's there, you know, if you can tell a good story, she's there. And that's so wonderful. I love that about Thule. I love being a Thule author. I realize I sound like I'm, you know, they pay me to do promotion. (laughs) I didn't, honestly. (laughs) I just love it so much there because they're so supportive of their authors and, and they respect the fact that love grows, yeah. love changes, love ages. Right. And it's different for, you know, like the one I just finished is about the third Lang brother. And he's a fireman and he's divorced and he's almost 40 years old. And he's totally reacting totally different to being in love than his 30-year-old brother did. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know... It, we have to recognize that characters in books change and grow just like people. Right. <laughs> you know, real right. people. Um, you know, and I do think we're sort of seeing that sort of tide turn in pop culture. Cause I, I think, I don't know that uh, the industry had so many issues with the older heroes, but I think that they really had the issues with the older her- heroines. I think that they had the issue with the older women. And I'm hoping that pop culture tide is turning with like, Kate Winslet winning the Emmy for her role in Mayor of Easttown, um, you know, yes. Jean Smart for <clears throat> Hacks, which is, I, by the way, two of the most wonderful TV series I've seen in a very long time. I haven't seen either of them, but I adore Jean, Jean Smart. Oh. I loved her in, I don't know if you ever saw Designing Women. Oh, I'm on repeat. When I, yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> she was just amazing in that. I thought that Lorne uh, Graham in, in, um, Gilmore Girls, yep. and then again in Parenthood. Amazing, amazing stories. And they're, you know, women in their 40s. Yeah. And, you know, and I think there's there's a little thing in this, in especially in American pop culture, that says we don't want to know that grandma has sex. Right. Um, you know? Yes. Sorry, grandma has sex. Yes. And th- what is interesting about it, it doesn't seem to bother them, the concept that grandpa might. No, no, no. But we, I think sort of like you hit, like, you know, I, I always go back to that sort of like maiden mother crone, you know, yes, and, yes, and looking, is. looking at that and you're sort of like the maiden, the mother. And then once you get through mother and I don't know at what point you, you no longer be, I don't know if like when your kid is 12 or when your kid is 18. Um, <laughs> I don't know. My kid's 42 and I'm yeah. 43, so I am. <laughs> And, you know, once you sort of hit, like, and really, I think it's sort of once you hit mother, like, you're no longer a, like, a sexual being. And I'm not saying sexualized, because I do think women are sexualized. I think no matter how old you are. No matter how old. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes, they they just don't want to think about that. But having agency and finding yes. pleasure and, and yes. you know, a, a sensual pleasure. There, there's, there's a real sort of ew that comes yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah, there is, there is. And, and I think that's a terrible shame. It is. My, in Sex and the Widow Miles, Julie is 52 and she's becoming a grandmother for the first time. And the guy she ends up with is younger than her. Ooh. But he is, he is so drawn to her and I don't, I, she's beautiful, of course, because everybody's beautiful. But um, 
I think that the reason he was so drawn to her was because she needed him so much. And he recognized that immediately, immediately saw that he was going to be the person who was going to bring her out of the depression she had fallen into over the death of her husband of 30 years. Oh, wow. And, and he did, he did a fabulous job. Um, but she was, she had a hard time owning who she was because so much of who she was, was related to her husband, her previous husband who passed away. It was really hard for her to stop being Mrs. Dr. Charles Miles and Mm. become Julie. And so, you know, I think that part of that book, that journey was, I think a journey that every woman my age, I, I think you're probably a lot younger than me, but every woman my age has to go through. We have to go through that time of thinking, where, what is my identity? And not right. just sexually, but in every way. Right, right. Yeah, so, and I think particularly um, with, and I mean, I, I know I am a little younger than you, And so there is a sort of slight divide between like when my mom, like, for example, with my mom, I mean, she really, she really did stake her identity to being a wife and a mom. And that was, and that was where she went. You know, I think that my generation was sort of a little bit removed from that. I know. Yes. We were, we were few, less of us stayed home. More of us ended up with careers. Um, I never took my husband's last name. Um, much to his chagrin. I was like, I am too lazy to go through this process. I am too busy to go through this process. <laughs> the kid can have your name, but I'm not changing mine. Yeah. I totally understand. Yeah. We were just in a, you know, it just was, it's a, it was, it's kind of like a different sensibility. So I can see that sort of like how, how once that's been severed, like that's, that's kind of an identity crisis. And how do you move through that? It is, it is. And I think that because of, I think that I think that goes back to the whole sex thing that, you know, people don't want to read. They don't. I think that publishers think that readers won't identify with that crisis. Hmm. And I think for a lot of us who are writing books with older characters, I know my friend Liz Flaherty, who writes the most amazing books. Oh, my God, they're gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, she has the most incredible voice. Um she writes women who have, who have had to restart their lives because a husband's died or a husband's left her or something like that. And she, they've had to restart their lives and re-identify who they are, not just, not, and, and that includes sexually. Yeah. And so I think that these books are timely because there are so many readers who are in, the, in that position. Right. Maybe they're not divorced or widowed, but they're they're at a place where their kids have grown and they're not mom all the time anymore. And, you know, maybe their career is coming to a point where they're not going to be working all the time or they're going to be working less. And and I just think that that, you know, men retire and their life becomes, you know, I don't know, golf or whatever. Right. But I think women have a harder time with that. And I think some of these books that are being written about older women are are not just looking at the sex aspect or the romance aspect or the second chance aspect, but about them, you know, refinding themselves for lack of a better term. Right. Yeah. Cause I think that there is sort of, you know, very real 
consequences of aging as a woman in terms of like almost being forced out of your job or, Mm -hmm. you know, and again, I think that you brought, brought a great point up too, is we've, you know, spent 18 years being a mom and then the kid goes and you're sort of, and there's, there's a bit of a hole there and you're kind of like, you know, have to reestablish who you are now as an, as somebody with an adult child and what does that mean and, and how does that relationship change and how does the relationship with yourself change? And I think that we experience and explore so much through romance. I know with, um, you know, romance with younger characters, even, you know, finding themselves, figuring out life. Um, even, you know, I had a great conversation um, with Bethany Bennett about, you know, healing from an abusive marriage, you know, getting out of an abusive marriage through reading romance books and what that means. And I think that there really is something to say about it being a mirror and a reflection uh, to us, the society at large. And, you know, maybe it's not something that you specifically going through the same thing, but there are echoes there. I think you're right. I think you're right. And, and the people who say that, that romance novels teach women unrealistic fantasies are full of it. I think romance novels teach people that love happens and that it can happen at any time, anywhere, any place. And it doesn't age. And, you know, you don't age out of being in love. You don't, you know, or you're not, and truthfully, you're not too young to be in love. You know, right. love is, love is always there. And, and I think that they, you know, to fall into the HEA, of a romance novel is is a good thing. I think yeah. it's a good thing for anybody. Yeah, absolutely. I love this conversation. <laughs> this is so cool. Enjoy <laughs> talking to you. Okay, I want to dig into your intimate scene. All right. So this is from The Valentine Wager, which is book one in the Langt Brothers series, and it is coming out February 1st, 2022. So we've basically got the first look. Y'all. You do. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, could you set this up for us? Well, um, she, Kit has, Boynton has, has come to America. Um, she's getting over a really awful love affair from Ireland. She's come from Ireland and um, she's um, helping her cousins who own the four Irish brothers winery. She has four, four male cousins who have this winery together and she's come to help them be their marketing person. And they're trying to expand the winery into more of a venue. I mean, a winery, but also, you know, do, do events and things there. And so she's there to help them do that. And um, he, the, um, the hero is Riker Lang, and he's a police lieutenant. And he gets a call from somebody on the road that says this woman is driving erratically on the wrong side of the road. And so he goes out, and he finds her, and he, and he pulls her over. And um, that's how they meet. And she tries to convince him that the, the whole country is driving on the wrong side of the road, and she's driving on the right side of the road. But eventually, they figure out that. She's from, she's from Ireland and she was just driving on the wrong side of the road, but they have a, they're just an immediate attraction and he's just, just bowled over by her, which is a new experience for him because normally he's the bowler, not the bully. Mm. And, um, so they have a few encounters and in one of them, she says to him, I'm not interested in, in being involved with you. 
you know, I've done the Playboy thing. I'm not doing it again. And I've got to focus here on my career and focus on getting my green card and focus, you know, I've got too much to do. I can't do this. And I don't want to get my heart broken again. And he, and so they make a bet that, you know, he's, she's an incorrigible flirt and so is he. And they make a bet that they won't flirt for three weeks with each other. And if she wins, um, he has to make amends to someone's heart he broke. And if she, if he wins, she has to be his date for the Valentine dance at the winery. So. Whoa. Um, and what's kind of fun about the bet is that the whole town gets involved in the bet. I'm just going to leave that there, though, because okay. there's a bunch of fun <laughs> scenes with the town and, and the bet. Anyway, um, she's, she, she grew up on a horse farm, and she meets a woman in town who has a horse farm, and the woman invites her out to ride. So she goes out to ride one day. And he's there because the woman's tack room has been broken into okay. and all her tack has been stolen. And so they are together. They're helping this woman, you know, with this little mystery of what happened to the tack. And um, they have to ride out into a field because there's no way to get to the field because it's cold and wet and muddy. It's January and in Indiana. And taking a car back there won't work and taking a truck back there won't work because her truck is not working anyway. Um, so they get on horses and he's never been on a horse before. And so he rides behind her bareback on this real gentle little nag that the woman has. And so this scene that you're reading happens after they've been out in the field looking for how the thieves got into the barn. So, Okay. That was really complicated. I'm sorry. No, that was a great setup. And I, I, I learned a few things, which was fantastic. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Kit rode Jasper up next to his stall. Think you can hop off. Suddenly the distance to the ground seemed way further than it had when he'd had his arms around her in the field. When his focus had been divided between the damage the thieves had done to Trudy's pasture and the sweet citrus scent of Kit's shampoo, he hadn't noticed how high up he was. Um, sure. He gazed down at the rubber matted floor. You want to get down first? She gave him a smile over her shoulder. Nope, you're in back. I'd end up kicking you in the head if I dismount first. Scooching forward on Jasper's neck, she held out one hand. Here, scoot back on his butt. Grab my hand. Pull your right leg over and slide down. Don't kick me. He hesitated for a few more seconds, screwing up his courage. Look, Lieutenant, the floor is rubber. If you fall on your arse, the worst that can happen is you'll bounce right back up again. She chuckled, but there wasn't a moment of meanness in her warm gaze. And maybe you'll get a bit of horsehair in your nice clean trousers, which probably have dirt on the seat by now anyway. We'll dust you off, I promise. You offering to pat down my butt, Ms. Boynton, with a determined breath. Rye reached for her hand, brought his leg between them over Jasper's wide back, and slid off, landing gracefully on his feet. However, he didn't release her hand. Instead, he tugged on it gently, then caught her in his arms as she hopped off the horse. That's the best offer I've gotten since you sashayed a straight line for me in the post office parking lot. He held her loosely as he grinned, giving her plenty of opportunity to slip to the side. She didn't. Rather, she stood in the circle of his arms, Jasper's rein in one hand, the other clutching Rye's shoulder. Her teeth worried her lower lip as she gazed into his face, her expression unreadable, heart pounding, mouth dry. He licked his lips. He was playing with fire, but he couldn't pull his eyes from her face or drop his arms. Couldn't, no, wouldn't let the moment end. I love this setup. He was so awkward with her. 
<laughs> and then he kind of found his groove and started flirting. And I, I really love it when the guy gets all twisted and tongue-tied, you know, and kind of like, well, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, because that never really seems to happen, you know, so it's actually nice to see it play out. My heroes get tongue-tied a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, it, it's, I don't think that all men always know exactly what to say. Yeah. You know, and we, we have a tendency that the fantasy men that they do. Right. And none of mine do because they're all, you know, from my head. And I always, I never know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's great because like they're in a very awkward situation. And sort of he's feeling it very clearly. He's feeling very awkward, you know, and, yeah. and, I, and she's enjoying this. Oh, she's having a ball. He, you know, she's ridden her whole life and he had never been on a horse. And he had to confess that earlier in the, in the scene. He had to confess that he'd never been on a horse before. And it just made her feel so empowered, yeah. <laughs> you know, ornery, but there you go. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And, you know, he, while he was out in the field riding with her, he relaxed and he really got, got into being so close to her. And then he had to get off the horse and he's like, oh no, uh, you know, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. It's a whole new moment of panic yeah, uh, to right. somebody who's never ridden a horse before, you know, and he seems a little citified. Yeah. He is pretty citified. Yeah. <laughs> yep. With his fancy trousers. <laughs> yes, yes. He had on nice trousers. And it was, I'll tell you a little something about writing Kit. Um, she's from Ireland. And so I had to make sure that that was clear in yeah. the book by how she spoke. And yet I did not want her brogue to overtake her dialogue. Yeah. And so I read some really good articles about writing people who, for whom English is not their first language. And one of the things they said was, you know, you sneak it in there. Mm -hmm. She says trousers instead of pants. Right. You know, she's, right. um, but I don't, I tried not to let her brogue interfere too much with who, with what she had to say, I guess. Yeah. I end up writing a lot of Brit characters. And so mm -hmm. it is about just kind of word choice, arse instead of ass, um, yeah. you know, yeah. boot for trunk, you know, mm -hmm. um, because, and sometimes it can be a little bit cadence. There, there yes. can be slight, slightly with the cadence, but, but it's really just, it's really just the word choice and maybe sometimes kind of like slight rearrangement of words, yeah. I guess, yeah. that maybe we don't necessarily say like Americanized, but is a little bit more British, I guess, you know, yeah. like. It, interestingly, I've done a lot of Americanizing as part of my job. For, oh, of course you have. Um, yeah. Like, I've done that for HarperCollins several times. British books that, that were, you know, written in England, sold in England, you know, published in England and sold in England and then brought over here. And um, I had to go through and Americanize. And what they told me to do was if you don't recognize the word or if you don't, if even if you know it contextually, but it's not a word that you would use, change it. Right. And so, and of course the spelling, you know, like color and, right. you know, vigor and words that have the extra U. Um, so writing her was not quite as hard as I thought it was going to be simply because I'd had that experience right. of taking that away. So, so then you just slide, sort of slide it back yeah. in. You just have to kind of remember. Like I know that my yeah. editor caught, caught a few like, don't you mean arse here? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do mean arse, not ass. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, I'm gonna keep going. Okay. Um, Kit closed her eyes, then opened them again just as quickly. You're flirting. I know, his response was raspy. What am I supposed to do when you look at me like that? She dropped the reins and put her other hand against his chest. Jasper stood there perfectly still, trapping the two of them between his big warm, warm body and the stall. Rye shivered when she put one gloved hand on his cheek, and he struggled not to turn his face and press his lips to her leather-encased palm. He'd never been so enamored of a woman in his life. The attraction was fierce, visceral, a longing to know her that swept through him every single time they encountered one another. Back at you, Irish, he whispered, covering her hand with his. She had elegant hands with long fingers he was hungry to kiss, maybe even draw the tips of them into his mouth. She was so close he could taste her breath oranges and coffee and something else sweet she hadn't moved away from him but now she was gripping the front of his parker do you think this is wise lieutenant i mean the whole town is betting on us and she let her words trail off as she wet her lips he wasn't sure which of them was actually trembling one of them was or maybe both who knew probably not it, it has catastrophe written all over it but here's the thing this time he did turn his head and kiss her palm i just I can't. Oh, damn it, Kathleen. Oh, God. This was so slow and sexy and beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. It's really yeah, it slow. I've never heard anybody else read it before. So, yeah, it's slow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're just like, oh, my God, kiss her already. <laughs> See, that's what you want to do in a sweet romance. Right. Yes. There. I, I mean, I hate to use my own, uh, my own writing as a perfect example, but that slow build you know yeah. yeah and this was it I mean it was just like oh my god when are they going to kiss <laughs> um you know it, and I and I was like oh now this is an example of writing sexy yeah and you yeah. can you can you could actually like through through the language feel that sort of magnetism going on between them where you can like they're getting closer like you like you can almost see it you know they're getting closer and closer and heads are dipping and twisting you know like they're, they're gonna do this they're gonna do this <laughs> yeah one last little bit and um and this is now uh from kit's point of view the kiss was everything kit had fantasized about Rikerland since the first morning when he'd peered into her car window Easy and gentle at first, then building an urgency until she was drowning in his lips, his arm around her, his gloved hand holding her steady as he ravaged her mouth. How could she not respond? All in all, it was a remarkable kiss. His lips were soft, their tongues tangled in a thrust and parry that left her breathless. When he finally lifted his mouth, the hunger in his stormy eyes made her toes curl inside her riding boots. Dear God in heaven, how I want him. Oh my God, me too. <laughs> He rested his forehead against hers, his breathing uneven. It was impossible to tell whether it was his heart or hers she felt thumping through the layers of clothing between them. A flurry of expressions chased across his face before settling on a quiet upturn of his lips, a contradiction of arrogance and vulnerability that disarmed her completely. Oh God, and you can kiss too, she gasped when she realized she'd said the words out loud. Fingers splayed against his parker, she pushed away from him. Why are you deliberately making yourself more attractive to me? How is that fair? Oh, then you end it. How is that fair? <laughs> yeah. um, I, I love the, I actually really like the difference in cadence between the two, the two moments. Like 
there, there's a different pacing here between the two of them. Yeah, there is. He's, he, she is just trying to figure it out and he's just in the, he's so in it, you know? Yeah. And she's just, she's, she's analyzing for lack yes. of a better term. Yes. And I actually put like, yeah, like his, his head. Yeah. Like she slowed it down. Like you could feel he was kind of speeding it up. Like he was just like, yes. Like it was almost like a train with him where you could, it was picking up the pace and she had to stop and think about it and be like, Oh my God, what are we doing here? And no, I do want to be here right now. Oh yes, I do. But wait a minute. This, you know, there was, there was some doubt going on there too, that I thought was really, um, that really came through that sort of like weird, like I want him. Yeah. And what am I doing? And and oh God, is this the right thing? I hope this is the right thing. You know that sort of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she was she was very unsure. And the and the cool thing about writing a scene like this is you can stop right there because what happens next? And I didn't put it in there for you, but what happens next is Trudy comes in the barn. Oh, foiled! <laughs> and there and it's over. And she goes, she goes. Um, Kit goes in and starts shoveling poop, and he talks to Trudy for a minute about the robbery and that what he's going to do and then he says to her um what you what you just saw she goes she goes hey i didn't see a thing (laughs) she goes and i'm going to keep it that way if you can find my stuff for me (laughs) right because they've got this bat the the town is in on this bat and and yeah yeah. wow you know he neither of them have lost it yet because they're both in the same position Mm. okay so you know it's kind of funny. And there are several scenes where the town is, the town is involved. And there's, there's one really fun scene. I loved writing this scene in the bar where she just gets furious with the town Mm. because they've, now they've got money on it. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) How big do the waitress get? (laughs) Uh, It got pretty big. Really? Yeah. So they're uh, big enough to make her really furious. Yeah. She didn't want to be bet on like a horse, you know? Of course. Of course. So this is so great. Yeah. I've actually, I'm working on a small town um, and it's my very first. And I know that the town itself and the quirky people that make up the town are are kind of like really important characters. And so it's just trying to sort of figure out that, um, you know, what are the town's quirk? Uh, quirks who are the quirky characters you know I always think Gilmore Girls is actually a really great example of oh, that small town you know that is one of my the Gilmore Girls was you know my inspiration for for River's Edge actually there's a town in Indiana that is the actual inspiration but but the feel yeah. of of Stars Hollow is the feel I wanted for River's Edge and the town after four books and I've got six more coming in the town um after four books, the town becomes a character. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just, you just, people are like, oh, I want to know what happened to so-and-so, you mm-hmm. know. And now I've got this vet that I've got to find a secondary romance for. Because oh. he, he turned up in this, he turned up in the second book. He played a bigger role in the third book. And now I'm like, but he's, there's too much of an age difference between him and the next three characters in the next three books. So he can't be a romantic interest for any of the main characters. Mm. So I've got to find him a story because he needs one. I love that. I'm, it's so funny because as I write and I get deeper into the series, and I know some people have their series planned out in advance. They know it's going to be however many books and they know who it's going to be about and all of that. 
I am just such a discovery writer that I couldn't even tell you who's going to be my next book. And, you know, so many people are always like, oh, the series is over. And I'm like, no, it's not. I just couldn't put like a teaser in because I don't know who it's going to be yet. You know, yeah. <laughs> I bet this when I got done with the Forrest Brothers, um, I had ideas for other people. Mm-hmm. And um, the Langs were in the four Irish brothers books, the Lang brothers. And so I said to my editor, you know, I would love to write their stories. And she's like, great, do it. And then the Weavers, who are, it's a sister's book. She said, would you be interested in writing a sister's book? And I'm like, sure, I had two sisters. I can do that. And so um, the next series that I'm starting like now is um, three sisters and they own the marina in town. And so they've been in the previous books. And so it's, it's kind of fun when people will write me and say, Hey, are you going to write a story for, you know, Eli, the lineman, you know, <laughs> going to write a story for, you know, I'm like, sure. And yeah. so, you know, I have no idea how many river's edge books are going to be coming along right now. There's six more coming, but who knows? Wow. Maybe yeah. more. It's fun. I'm having a ball in this town and you know, I figure as long as I'm having fun and they are, why not? Yeah. And I do finally have um, a, a much older couple, like 50s, that I think I'm going to start working with, too, in my, in, my, in my Rockstar series, which I think is going to be really fun for readers. And I'm, really, oh, I'm actually getting fun. very excited about that because I do yeah. want to write, um, you know, an older, even older than 40. Like, I think that, that there's something, I think there's something really great about that. And I think there's something also really important. I'll tell you, I loved writing Julie because she was 52. And she was going through menopause. Yes. And a conversation. So, you know, she's trying to decide if what she's feeling for this guy, if it's a hot flash or if yes. really warm for his form. So. <laughs> and also how has sex changed? Yeah. Yeah. Because it does. Oh, yeah. It does change, you know. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, you'll have fun with that. Al. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about it. I didn't realize how excited about it because I know I had brought it up like a couple books ago with my editor and she was less enthusiastic (laughs) and I was was like, well, the hell with it. I'm doing it anyway. Good. Good. You know, especially you should write what you want. Yeah. Especially looking at the demographics of who's reading my books. They're not, they're not 22. I love it that they want to read about the 22 year olds I write, Mm -hmm. but you know, I want it to be more reflective of them and their experience for sure. I think that's important. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And as you, the older you get, the less inclined you're going to be to write really young people. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I do not know how to write someone who's 22. It's been too long. Yeah. I even have to ask my 42-year-old son, is this a dorky word? Or oh. <laughs> He was the one who said, don't say, what was, I can't remember what the word was, uh, asshat. I had used the word asshat. And he said, mom, try douche or something else. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Really? Asshat? We can't say asshat anymore? Not if you're 22. Wow. Yeah, they I don't guess say they're that. not really saying that, are they? No. Oh. They say douche. And I had to call my daughter-in-law and say, okay, she wants to say, hey, you idiot, or <laughs> something like that. I said, what, what's the word I use? She goes, punk. I was like, okay. <laughs> so in this book I just finished, she calls him a punk. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, my God. That's excellent. That's so I funny. I know, because language changes. <laughs> Yeah. And this was 30 year olds. I mean, this wasn't really young people, but you know, she said, she said, no, with a 30 year old wouldn't say that that's too old. She goes, try something else. And I'm like, you tell me. And she goes, call, tell her to call him a punk. I'm like, okay. 
Oh my God, that's fascinating. I know. I, I hadn't really thought about that. Now I'm going to have to pay a little bit more attention to that. It's, you know, words change. And... They do. Yeah. So you have the three Lang books coming out in 2022. Yes. Weaver Sisters coming in 2023. Yep. You are busy. I am a writing fool. I'll tell you. <laughs> so so um, where can authors find you on the internet? Where do you like to hang out? Well, I hang out on Facebook. Okay. Um, I have a Facebook page. It's Nan Reinhardt. I really make life easy because everything's Nan Reinhardt. Uh, okay. My Twitter is at Nan Reinhardt. My Instagram is Nan Reinhardt. <laughs> <laughs> and my website is nanreinhardt.com. <laughs> Excellent. And all of this will be in the show notes. So um, people will be able to find you as well as a link to um, the Valentine wager. Yeah, because you can pre-order the Valentine wager right now. Excellent. Excellent. I know. I'm so excited. Nan, thank you so much for being here. It was so great to talk to you. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. It was good to talk to you too. Good. And come back anytime. Thank you. I have lots to promote. So I was going to say, I'll be back to talk to you about the rest of the Langs and probably the Weavers. <laughs> Good. And we'll have new scenes to read, which I love doing. Oh, fabulous. You read it great. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Nan. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. It was really great to get to know Nan and hear a little snippet from her books. If you're enjoying the uh, Steam Scenes podcast, please go to the app of your choice the the podcast app of your choice and leave a rating and review we love those you can always reach out to me via the steam scenes a website which is steamscenespod.com and give me your feedback is there an author you'd like me to have on anything like that um i'd love to hear from you anyway thanks so much for listening and until next time enjoy your steamy reads <laughs>